0: Today on the Talent Cast, I reveal the two dirtiest words in employer branding. One of them is a four letter word, but it's not what you think it is? We'll be right back. Hello, and welcome to the Talent Cast. I'm your host, James Ellis. We're here to talk about employer branding and talent acquisition, talent recruitment marketing at some fairly deep levels. We're not here to pitch books. We're not here to pitch software. This is a 100% pitch free zone. We're here to go back to first principles and really think through what it's going to take for you to be better at employer brand and talent acquisition, for you to win the war for talent. Yes, that's a bad metaphor. Yes, people shouldn't say it. Yes, it's also my Twitter handle, so I can't help you. This will not be your standard podcast. This will be a little goofy. A little weird, a little bit of me. Hopefully, you're going to learn something from it. If you like it, please tell people. Uh, if you like it a lot, review us on iTunes and Google Play. Otherwise, you can hear, learn more about us, or talk to us directly on Twitter. Again, at the War for Talent, or just go to our website, thetalentcast.com. So that having been said, here's the show. Hey, how you doing? Uh, James Ellis here. So yeah, the two dirtiest words in employer branding. They are to be blunt uh, best practices. <laughs> there is nothing worse than a best practice. Why? Well, that's a great question. Why do I think these are the worst, ugliest, dirtiest words in employer branding? Well, for one, I think, actually, I was, I was listening to uh, the employer branding podcast uh, with Simon Barrow, the Simon Barrow episode. Uh, Jorgen, again, thank you. Wonderful episode. The, every time I listen to Simon, uh, he's a genius. He's just, he, I think he literally invented the term employer branding in the 1990s. Um, But he talks about how employer branding is effectively brand management, but harder. And everybody thinks brand management, i.e. running the brand as a function of marketing, is harder. But in his estimation, and not just because he's got a British accent, I believe that actually employer branding is harder and, and to hear Simon say it is like look in marketing you can sell someone an idea you can sell someone a lifestyle you can sell someone the reason you choose this deodorant over that deodorant or that soap over this soap or this couch over that couch it's a lifestyle you can spin it you can pitch it employer brand you can't I mean you can try but you're talking about people's lives not lifestyle but their entire lives uh, and that is something that you can't really hide behind you can't spin that as hard as you could um, you know, and I think back to you know my one of my favorite shows ever, uh, Mad Men. The first episode, the it's toasted moment, where every cigarette is in the same boat, where every cigarette can no longer use health claims or doctor uh, testimonials, but they're all effectively the same. They're commodities, switchable only by brand name. And one person likes one brand, and one person likes another brand simply because they do. they they're effectively no different. And so Don Draper comes up with the it's toasted moment, where he says, "Look, you're not." Pitching your difference, you're just pinching a way, a different way of looking at it, a different way of feeling about the product. You can't do that with employer brand. You really can't. These are people's lives. And the people who work at a company will not hold back about why they work there or what's good and what's bad. You can't spin it. You can spin a tobacco product. You can spin a deodorant because the deodorant is going to say, Yeah, that's true. But the reality is, like an employee will. So employer brand is really hard. And that leads to the idea that the dirtiest words are best practices because the expectation is, is that despite the fact that employer branding is a lot closer related to marketing in the process, in the uh, the, the, the mindset, in the, the frameworks of thought, in the end, employer brand almost always lives in the recruiting or HR space. And HR, again, if you want to hear my feelings on HR, hear the episode entitled why HR hates recruitment marketing. Um, HR is great at many things. Innovation is not their strong suit. No one gets into HR going, I'm an ambitious, growth minded uh, chance taker, risk taker. I'm going to get into HR. You just don't hear that too often, do you? You hear what I like as rules, what I like as structure, what I like as process. That's why I get into HR. And that's not that that's bad, it's simply that. Those two things are very different. People who get into HR and people who get into marketing are generally two different types of people, which is why employer branding and recruitment marketing is such a weird space to be in, because it effectively is both. You're trying to be semi-schizophrenic. How do I reach an audience and differentiate myself in an audience? How do I take chances with a message and to draw attention to myself while at the same time living within the mindset of everybody has to be equal, everybody has to be seen, you know, in the same process you have to use the exact same process all the time. you know the, the fear of being sued marketing should be scared of being sued all the time but they're not HR is always scared of being sued and generally they aren't um, that's that, that that's, they, they don't really work together but HR loves the best practice HR loves the best practice if HR can invent a rule they will steal someone else's rules and say that's a great idea where that's our new rule that's their model of thought they, they look to other places to say what's the best way to do this now Marketing does this to some extent, and I think people who they don't really need to. It, it doesn't make any sense if we think about employer brand. The reason why someone works at your company is because of you. What's the the phrase? No one is more you than you. I think that's a little Dr. Susie but it's true. No one is no one's as good at you as you are. No one's as good a company as Apple as Apple is. No one's as good a company a uh, being. Um, I don't know Unilever as Unilever is. No one's as good at being. Um, I'm trying to look around my house and trying to stare at products and I can't really, in, you know, place a brand name to half of them. Uh, so many of my furniture is, is uh, you know, no one has a label on my furniture. Uh, no one, you know, thinks, no one's as good a north face as a north face is. You know, I can now see my, my, my hallway. You have to be you and you have to be the best possible you. And when you say, I'm going to follow best practices in branding, what you're saying is, I don't know who I am. I'm just going to figure out who they are and say, I'm pretty good at being them too. And that makes zero sense. Just zero sense, right? You don't wanna play best practices. Why? Because in the end, best practices, let me put it this way. If Let's say Google comes up with the best practices employer branding. I'm not saying they have, I'm not saying they're the, they're the best at it. And frankly, I don't think they are the best at it. Um, but I think they have a great, strong consumer brand and they kind of ride those coattails pretty good, which frankly, if I had those coattails, I would ride them too. But if Google's doing something, you can't simply say, if Google's doing it, we should do it too. Why? Because if Google's the number one place people want to work, and Google has an amazing employer brand, if they are leading the pack, so to speak, doing what they do is effectively saying, I like being in second place. I am not the leader, I'm in second place. Now, if you're not in first place and you know you're in second place, it makes a lot of sense to try and shortcut to say, I'm going to learn from the, the big players, the leaders in the space, and say, I'm going to do what they did. The problem is the leaders did it first, and they're already ahead. Doing what they do will never put you ahead. It's simply if you're trying to get to first place by doing what the current first place does it doesn't work that way you can't move ahead all you can do is stay parallel or at least stay the same distance behind the leader as you copy what the leader does you have to be you you can't optimize against their process you have to optimize against your process because in the end remember recruitment is not about quantity it's about quality let's say you're trying to hire an account manager and there are account managers there's a there's a 100,000 account managers in your city. Let's keep this as simple as possible nice round numbers. And there are 100 companies hiring account managers. And you are not the leader. The leader everybody wants to work for them, everybody knows who they are, everybody, you know, it's a well-known, you know, name that even everybody's parents knows, et cetera, et cetera. They do x and y and z. And by doing x and y and z, Using and leveraging their existing consumer brand and ex- using their existing uh, position in the marketplace, doing those things allows them to stay ahead. Maybe since they're such a big brand, they can afford new ideas. They can afford to do a you know a podcast or they can afford to do uh, Snapchat filters. Or they can afford to try new things because they're the leader in the space. But being the leader in the space means usually your work is very defensive, your work is is there to keep yourself in first place not to gain more ground but to simply make sure that no one else takes over your territory no one takes territory on you if you're the 50th player you know smack dab in the middle on the bell curve of all 100 players and you're trying to focusing on getting those account manager jobs if you try and do what the leader does you will stay in 50th place forever there's a reason why and it's very simple one the leader's doing it and it can use and leverage its position to as a defensive mechanism to keep its position, but two, if it's a best practice and everybody knows what the leader does, do you think you're the only one adopting the best practice? No, chances are every other company, brands two through 100, are trying to do the exact same thing. You will never move forward if you were all doing the same best practice. And that's why best practices to me are so insidious. They, they make you think that that was the way someone became great when in fact that's how someone stays great. It doesn't move you ahead. Everybody talks about what Apple does, or no, here's a good one. Everybody talks about what Target does. I've had this conversation many times with you know, former staff and, and friends of mine. Everybody talks about what Target does. Target did this, Target did that, and that's how they got ahead. Like no. That's what Target does now that it's got a thousand stores in North America. That's not what they did 80 years ago when they were one store in Minnesota, when they were effectively a glorified five and dime. What they did then was differentiate, was provide service, was to be different. How they act now as a leader in the retail space, uh, and of course we can quibble with the word leader in the retail space given news of Amazon taking over uh, Whole Foods, et cetera, et cetera and walmart taking over jet and uh what's the one they do bonobos um but anyway they're 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 a pretty high-end brand in the retail space what they do now is how they stay and they maintain that position that's not how they got there what it takes to grow is not the same stuff it takes to maintain so if you go looking at the number one brand who is already at the number one brand and say what are they doing today those things are there to keep them in number one and not to move them forward so doing them begs the que- you know, p- forces you to be in the same position. If you're trying to grow, you can't do what everybody else does. So it begs the question, how does one grow? Well, you have to take chances. You have to be different. You can't do what everybody else does. And in that space where there's 100,000 account managers and you're number 50, rather than focus on how do I get 100% of all account managers to think I'm a powerful brand, what you should do instead is niche up, is to say, look, account managers who love retail are going to love us. We are number one in that. Account managers who want a work-life balance, we, they're going to love us. Account managers who love technology or love innovation or like owning their own space and really owning their own kind of roadmap or product map or what have you or their, or their relationship with their clients, that's where we're number one. Because every account manager of the 100,000 account managers are not the same. They're all going to be diff- motivated by different ideas. Some are going to be motivated by the sense of status and they will g- naturally gravitate towards the number one brand. No one goes into Goldman Sachs saying, I'm here to save the earth, so let's go to Goldman Sachs. They're there because that is a number one bank right now and has been for a very, very long time. Huge status working there. If your motivation is collaboration and and, and personal uh, growth as a as a human being, not necessarily as a professional. Goldman Sachs is not probably where you want to go. If you're interested primarily in saving the world, Goldman Sachs is not the place for you. However, if you are focused on status, a nonprofit is not the place for you. And in a hundred thousand account managers, there are going to be many many different motivations driving any number of them. The goal is not to get the majority or all of them to think of you as the number one brand. The way you move ahead is to specialize, to niche up, to say, people who are this kind of account manager love us. They don't like us. They don't respect us. They don't appreciate us. They love us with a, with a fascination that you wouldn't believe, with a near obsessive uh, functionality. Think of the difference between... Um, the Gap, which makes wonderful clothes. I have many of them. And maybe UniGlo and maybe Supreme. Okay, maybe you don't know Supreme. They just signed a put together a, a partnership with Louis Vuitton, and they are a very expensive skate based clothing company. And when compared to The Gap, they are a speck in the Gap space. UniGlo. Japanese-based, much smaller than Gap, but growing. And what happens is is those companies are elevating themselves, and Gap is having problems, among many other uh, wide-scale brick-and-mortar and and retail stores, because they don't own a niche, because they're just okay, they're fine. No one really loves the Gap. I mean, I like the Gap. They're good, but I don't obsess over the Gap. People obsess over uh, Uniqlo, and people obsess over Supreme. They obsess. There are blogs dedicated to these ideas, to their products, and what they're doing, and all the new things. They partner with unusual um, celebrities and artists. They try new things. The Gap needs to sell you a button-down uh, 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 shirt and a pair of chinos. That's what they want to do. The difference between any given pair of chinos and Gap, whether it was you know their mainstream brand, or their nineteen sixty-nine brand, or whatever, or the one where they partnered with a designer, are super, super subtle. They're not radical changes. They're not making a splash. They're the gap. They're nice and safe. They work. They're good. They're not amazing. They're good. And if you're trying to go from number 50 to number 1, you don't do it by being good. You, to be, you move up in the space by being something remarkable, obsession-worthy, so special that no one else can take your place. The way you move up is to be super good at that thing. Not everything, that thing. And the goal is to know what is that thing. Uh, And I'm looking at my notes because I actually took some notes. Um, If you play follow the leader, you're always gonna be in second place, right? That's, that's That's the curse of best practices. It seems like a shortcut. It seems like you're getting um, the secret notes of how a brand got there. But again, that's not how the brand got there. And again, if you can find out what those quote-unquote secrets are, everybody else finds out what those secrets are. And thus, everybody else does it. The problem really is is that you need to understand who you are. And stealing somebody else's best practices is like saying, I don't know who I am, so I'm just going to do what everybody else does. That's not how you move up. That is a fear-based game. That is a fear of saying of the you know backing to my 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 example my hypothetical example of the hundred thousand account managers. I don't. I'm so terrified that if I only appeal to the five percent obsessively, I'm pushing away the ninety-five percent who aren't in that five percent. To which I would say, fine. Who cares? You weren't going to hire. Okay, I'm doing very rough math here, more than a couple dozen account managers. If 5% of the audience loves you, that's 5,000, right? Of 100,000, 5% of hundred of 100,000 is 5,000. Yeah, my math's good. 5,000 people obsessively falling in love with you and desperate to work with you because they understand who you are and what you're all about. Oh my God, that is, that is manna from heaven. That is the riches beyond your dreams instead you're going to say I'm going to be mediocre to everybody and hard to differentiate from everybody else and you're gonna get those you know if you only need to hire a dozen people you're gonna get a dozen people who don't stand out either because if they did they would be focused on the brands they aligned with this is the problem with recruiting and sometimes I've touched on this when I talk about fit but when you're trying to focus on a niche it's a two-way street you have to know who you are and what you're looking for and you have to get other people to reveal themselves to say i am that kind of person too that's why you know focusing on resumes and doing the things that everybody does kind of kills you it kind of it minimizes that ability to stand out if everybody uses the same types of ats's and the same kinds of processes and the same kind of recruiting practices and the same kind of models by which they evaluate people Everybody looks the same, you know? I think that the company that thinks person A is the best person in the ma- in the market is not who I'm going to think the best person in the market is. I don't think people can be evaluated on the same uh, a ruler. Hey. Uh, Just interrupting myself for just a second, just to remind you that because this podcast has made me extraordinarily wealthy, there's really nothing you can do. You don't have to buy anything. You don't have to make any commercials or anything. You do not have to donate anything at all to keep this podcast going. Again, wealthy beyond my wildest dreams. Thank you all. I appreciate it. All you can do to help me make this podcast even better somehow is to review us on iTunes and Google Play and other places that you review and share podcast information. That's all you got to do. Leave some stars, leave a review, whatever you got to do. We really appreciate it. It's what keeps us going. Thanks to the people who've done it already, but keep them coming. We really do, like I said, we really do appreciate that. That's all I had to say. Again, I want to stop interrupting myself to bring you the amazing voices of me. Bye. So let's take it to sports for a second. So let's say... Yeah, you know the NBA draft. Actually, you know what? I don't want to do NBA because I don't know enough about NBA. I'm going to sound like an idiot. If we're talking about football, uh, and I apologize if you're not a football fan, and for those of you in Britain, we're talking about American football, where the game is really slow and not as beautiful as 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 what I would call soccer. You're welcome. Um, You have to draft people, and you are in line of the 32 teams. You are in order of who you get to pick now. The when when people draft, it's a surprise who people draft because you could draft a quarterback, or you could draft a linebacker, or you could draft a defensive person, or you could draft a a, a safety who who keeps the who keeps the pass from happening. You can there's there's any there's 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 a dozen positions, more a lot more more than a dozen, but there's a dozen positions where you could be drafting. What do you need now? The first team in the draft may need a quarterback and everybody knows that a quarterback is the most important position in football because they have the biggest impact in football and they draft a quarterback they draft who everybody thinks the number one quarterback is the second team doesn't need a quarterback so therefore they're not going to draft the number two quarterback just because that's the second most you know uh, valuable person overall they need a linebacker and so they're going to draft the number one linebacker. Thus, they're niching up. They're saying, I don't need a quarterback right now. I've got a good one. What I need is someone on defense. And it's a strange way to look at it, but in, in football, it makes a lot of sense. If you don't need a quarterback, don't draft a quarterback, no matter how good that quarterback is. Go find the best whatever you need, right? In business, it's the same thing. If you are all about and you truly understand that what your real purpose on this this planet is is to be a company that works as a team that truly embraces the concept of working as a team that you solve problems together as a team that you share glory as a team the number one person in a market may be a total egotistical glory hog self-promoter jerk he or she may be amazing but they're still a jerk they're not a team player they're a shark they're a go-getter they're all it's all personal and selfish for them. The fact that they are, with a hands down, the number one player in that space does not mean that you should be attracted to them or they should be attracted to you. In fact, you should be pushing them away as fast as you can because that's the kind of person who disrupts a team environment. And if you are truly all about a team, that is poison to your system. No matter how good that person may be, they will not add value to who you are. In fact, they will actually subtract value because they disrupt your team. What you want is the number one team player in that audience. Now, if I'm a team player and I'm being recruited by many companies, I don't want to go to a place that kind of says they're about team. I want to go to a place that is obsessive about teams, that worries about teams, that writes books about how to be a team, how to be a better team. Uh, You've got team tools that you are very dedicated to. You talk about it. You're open about it. You go to conferences talking about organizational process and how that keeps your team together. If you are obsessive about a a team uh, and I am best when i'm in a team guess what i'm going to talk to you and nobody else you are my number one choice you may be number 50 in the market overall and i may be number four as a talent number overall but if you're all about team and you're the best about team i'm all about you and that is how a company who isn't the leader defies a best practice and comes at the talent of a completely different way they really understand themselves and thus they know who they should be spending more time attracting, who they should be talking to and who they shouldn't be talking to. Let's take it a different direction. Let's say you're trying to hire a developer or an engineer or a data scientist or whatever, and we all know how incredibly competitive that space is, right? Facebook and Google and the big tech companies that everybody knows swallows them up all day long, and they have money to burn. They can spend money on that process all day long and they do (laughs) i'm on blind and i see the salaries these these companies throw at them and if they're good and you know you're good and you have a good negotiating position the sky's the limit in what you can negotiate them up for you know you want a perk you want a signing bonus you want a uh, i don't know a, a expense account whatever these companies have no problems giving you the cash if you're that good now let's say you're in the middle of the pack You have no shot of these people. If you're in the middle of the pack, you can't print money like these other companies, these Googles and Facebooks and Amazons and whatnot, Apples. You can't compete on that level if the game is money. If the game is money, you will always lose. And the problem is, is because we are so money focused and because money is a very easy thing to quantify, we tend to use money as the measuring stick for everything we aren't very good so we have to spend more money to attract people to us we have to at least be comparable you know when facebook says i'm gonna throw money at you we have to be in a position where we could pretty much throw money too again you're gonna fail why well because literally facebook and and google print money they are the number one and number two marketers in the world right now not of themselves but for other people if anybody is spending any marketing dollars A good chunk of it goes through Google and Facebook. That's where all the money growth is right now. They print money. The more everybody deals with this on a money side, the more Google and Facebook win. In fact, they increase uh, 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 their strength on the market because they keep the game about money. Now, if you can make the game about uh, serving a particular customer base and being obsessive about that customer base, or you can say, we only care about the environment, and I don't know why I go back, I did tree, uh, Trees Have Souls a couple weeks ago, that was weird, uh, I'm trying to think of something else. We are all about family, Oh, there's a good one. We're all about family. One, we treat each other like family, and two, we care about people's family. Now, if I'm a 24-year-old hotshot coder, and I'm not, I'm barely seeing anybody, let alone I don't have a family, that message resonates about as much as, I don't know, mimeographs. That makes no sense to me, I don't care about that at all. What I care about is, hmm, I'm young, I need growth opportunities, I need good logos on my resume to grow and make a lot of money. Hey, guess who I'm talking to? Facebook, Google, Amazon, and Apple. The big the big players. The ones who make the game about money. If I'm a 35-year-old hotshot programmer, meaning I've only, you know, written a develop, uh, a coding language on my own or ri- written my own compiler on the side because I got bored and want to understand how that worked, or whatever total geek thing that you do and by the way coders are not all 26 amazing coders are in their 40s maybe they have families maybe they like to see their family every once in a while maybe the concept of working 20 hours a day and living at their desk does not appeal to them maybe the fact that you as a company want kids to show up at five o'clock and hang out with all the families that you have decided that the way you keep your employees happy and more productive is letting them have their family time and not saying no no you got to live at your desk well as a 35 year old developer with a brand new kid i am not talking to facebook and google as much because i know what the hours are like and i know what the impact is like and i know that their game is about money and i'm yeah i'm going to pay my rent either way in fact i probably made some good money at other places i'm not desperate for cash but i like my kid and i like my spouse and so I'm going to go spend more time talking to companies that care about the things that I care about. You want to advance and you don't have the ability to print money? Find something other people care about and dedicate your company to that idea. It can be your mission. It can be your EVP. There's a lot of different ways you can play it, but in the end, following best practices just because that's what the leaders do, they're playing a very different game than you are. They don't need to prove themselves to the world. They've done that. That's why they're in the number one place you may are probably not number one place I mean statistically you're a wonderful human being and I love you dearly but y- there's 18 to 25 million companies in the US alone chances are you're not in one of the number one companies and if you are congratulations if you're not you can't play that game I'm gonna go back to SpaceX because I think they're fa- they're fascinating SpaceX does not pay any more than the big companies, the so-called big companies, the Facebook and Googles and, you know, the et cetera, et cetera. They don't pay any more. In fact, they could probably afford to pay less because they have such a mission that people go, I am gaga over this mission. I have been obsessed with space since I was a kid. I am desperate to go to Mars. I would even be one of those people who would, you go ahead and put me in cryogenic freeze for a couple of years and while you ship my butt to Mars and I'm gonna figure out how to terraform of this planet or I'm willing to be on a spaceship and die on another planet, never ever coming back to Earth. I'm one of those people. And by the way, those people definitely exist. And by the way, some of them are insanely talented. Those are the people SpaceX looks for, the people who are obsessive about space. Not about the money, not about work-life balance, that's for somebody else, obsessive about space. And you don't need 51% of the world's population or developer population to be obsessive about space. You need like 1 or 2%. There are a lot of developers out there. If you can be the number one choice of 1% of the market, you are going to be fine you are never going to have a retention problem or an attrition problem. You are never going to have a problem recruiting. Those people will be banging on your door desperate to come in. So again, the two dirtiest words in employer branding best practices don't do them. Find out who you are, found out who you what you're really about, find a different way to do it. Find a different way to connect with people. One last note. Best practice best practices don't work for everybody. They're very contextual. When they showcase studies of why company X, Y, or Z did something and why they succeed, your job as a employer brander or recruitment marketer or any kind of marketer whatsoever is not to say, cool, I'm doing that too. Your job is to break down why they did that, why it worked, understand which parts do and don't and wouldn't work for you, Throw away that what doesn't work and incorporate what is working for you that wouldn't work for them. Your job isn't to play follow the leader. Your job is to understand the why of why a tactic worked or why a strategy worked, evaluate your own, and figure out what good ideas you can steal, not good practices, good ideas you can steal, incorporate into your own practices, and make them your own. That's your job. That's why marketing and branding is actually art because you're not painting by numbers by any rate if you're trying if you think anything you're doing is painting by numbers you are doing it wrong good lord you are doing it wrong you got to take a step back take a vacation maybe ask your boss for a couple of days just to go chill and or drink i don't know and you have to take a step back and say okay what are we really trying to achieve why are we trying to achieve it how do we best achieve, achieve it based on what who we are, what we have access to, what resources are at our disposal? Don't worry about what the other companies are doing. Figure out where you are and figure how to get better. Don't make yourself beholden to everybody else's benchmarks and everybody else's basis basis points or anything like that. Figure out who you are, know who you are, and just figure out how to get better. Because I can almost guarantee you, 99% guarantee, that doing that will move you forward in the market Far faster than playing follow the leader, which really won't move you anywhere at all. And with that, thanks for listening. I appreciate you uh, joining in. If uh, you have any questions or comments, obviously, Twitter, at Talent or the website, thetalentcast.com. Uh, if you would like to have me present and be this kind of crazy in front of people and human beings, I would love to talk to you. Same ways of getting in touch with me. So otherwise, have a great week, and I will talk to you next week. Adios.